I don't think anybody's in business to really make money. I think making money is one of the things you have to do, but you also have to have culture, vision, values. So you have to make money. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, you're talking about something that is really the reason you get up in the morning. If you start from a point is, I want to make lots of money, then your decisions may not always be pure. If yeah. you think about your customers' best versions of themselves, if you think about employees, if you think about your culture, the money will come. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. This week, we are thrilled to celebrate Nola Consulting Group's 18th year in business and simultaneously our 100th episode of Out of the Hourglass. To mark this occasion, I've handed over the mics to NCG partners Brian Nolan and Kevin Nolan for a walk down memory lane and a conversation on how this business has served their life over the last years and created such deep gratitude for all who've been a part of it. From talking about the early days of NCG and the evolution of their relationship from brothers to partners, the initial group of clients that we started working with and still are today from 2005, the first workshops that were held in the garage at the shop, the long days and late nights of hard work that have contributed to the growth and character of the NCG story and where it is today. It has surely been a journey and it has connected us to so many fantastic individuals and their stories from across the country. We are all better for it. So from all of us at Nolan Consulting Group, we thank you. Our listeners, our Summit members and clients, our colleagues, our family and friends for being a part of the NCG journey and for letting us in some way be a part of yours. Brian and Kevin, take it away. Okay, thank you, Molly. Uh, I am back with Kevin Nolan, uh, my my partner and brother of many many years, and uh, we eighteen we, apparently eighteen well, eighteen year partnership, but uh, fifty nine years of living, uh, um, watching him. I'm not always sure we were partners back then. <laughs> watching him make make mistakes, watching him help yeah. me when I got a flat tire or my car broke down on the turnpike. Kev was always that. I would, I would just say last week, uh, he, he's, he's my big brother. He'll help you with anything because that's what Thanks, Kevin bro. does. I appreciate it. Does. But that's not, what, that's not what partners are. And we've been partners for 18 years. We have. And, and so this episode is pretty special to us for two reasons. Because March 18th, I'm sorry, Mar- March 17th, which is tomorrow, which you guys are hearing the podcast because it's going to be released on the 16th, is our 18th year in business. We incorporated in 2004 on St. Patrick's Day. And the fact mm. that we're Irish, I guess, made it lucky, Kev, didn't it? Sure. I kind of I feel that way. And a, a lot of this podcast is about gratitude uh, for the 18 years because I've I have got such an abundance so, of it. So why did we stop at 18? Why aren't we doing this at 20? Did we do it at 15? Why 18? Well, um, it does match the 100th episode. Right. It's, it's our 100th podcast. That's and the hook. That's the it's hook. coinciding. That's and I, I hope you agree that our podcasts continue to get better. Yeah. Those, those listening out there. And, and we love them. Uh, we we uh, typically do a business is messy podcast, Kevin and I, and we really love it. You know, people Kevin, tell me they listen to it. 
Kev, has a lot of messes and I, I clean them up. Sure, that's sure. How that's the way it works. That's <laughs> how it works. And uh, this one is, is going to be called Business is Not So Messy, or Business Doesn't Have to Be So. Um, we're going to first start by kind of memory lane. Um, it, it was 2003 when I left the corporate world. I, I was 17 years uh, in the corporate world and uh, my company had just gotten sold and I was fortunate enough to get um, enough that I didn't have to go work for someone else right away. I got a piece and then Kevin and I started to figure out what to do. And that's when I became Kevin's bat boy. Yeah. <laughs> I was his bat boy on it. What, what I, I Well, we had I, a lot to teach you about the real world. You, you, you're always talking about corporate world, corporate world. But our world is real world. And uh, there's no buffers, there's no safety nets, there's no paycheck coming on Friday unless you create it. So, um, but I do, I remember, so my, my start was uh, slightly before that. It, I, was, I, I had a bad sort of run as the national vice president of the PDCA. And much like your corporate experience, I was sort of turned off by some of the politics of the corporate experience in the PDCA. So I decided, I decided not to run for national president and I felt pretty glum about it and uh, Jerry Howe had told me he was a um, he actually worked for the PDCA he said you should start your own and I didn't think much of it um, but then had the opportunity with dad remember dad said mm -hmm. Brian you're looking for a new business Kevin's got a bunch of these clients or a bunch of these people that are in the painting industry that invite him to speak um, and so I think you reached out to me and said, dad says you got some opportunities, maybe. Maybe you were gonna just coach these people individually at one point or something like that. Oh, yeah, we, we were I wasn't that. gonna coach them. I wasn't, I'm not really a coach. We can talk about that later, but I was going to, um, you know, I was gonna give him some quick advice and then I had my own business to run. Um, but um, we took a tour, um, in the PDCA, it was pretty much the West Coast. It was yeah. up up the West Coast, all the way up from California to the Northwest, Seattle. I remember going around five different chapters in the Seattle PDCA um, because, as you know, even though the PDCA, I kind of left it. Uh, I never left it as a member, and I was always um, very supportive of it and didn't leave any bad taste in my mouth or anybody's mouth. But we got invited to speak and. We traveled around uh, Portland like it was like a minor league team. We would go into a, I think we went into Spokane, Washington. We did like twelve people at a bar barbecue place, and we were teaching them about how to how to paint houses and how to paint businesses. Yeah, really how to run businesses is what it was. It was never how to paint anything. It was always how to run a business. And I would set up Kevin's overhead projector because we used <laughs> the overhead back then. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I. I, when I say I was Kevin's bat boy, because I feel like I went from the corporate world into this kind of odd support role, really had to build it up from there. And the only well, I was the I, star. Everybody thought I was the star. You were the star. So here I am living under my brother's wing again after spending so many years and not. Uh, yeah. But uh, though he would give me one slide. It was a, a finance slide that obviously was way over. Everybody, everybody's eyes would glaze over. <laughs> you know, Kevin show Kevin a spreadsheet and he's like, Brian, get up yeah. here. And that, so I did like five minutes of boring stuff that I sat down, but we did, we did effectively sign up. I remember like every show we did, I call him a show. 
we got one or two clients to be yeah. interested in being part of something that's become great, right, Kev? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we were talking business systems, real world things that can help people solving immediate problems, scripts, systems, scripts. Yeah, whether it was how to get the phone to ring, or or how to survive a recession, or you know, just basically how to hire people, or how to build a team. Obviously, I'm talking about the stuff that I was doing. Meanwhile, you were doing how to business plan, how to how to do a budget. Um, by the way, all those things were making my business better too, because I was I was listening to you, Bri. I was listening to the audience and no kidding. That's no, the first time I've heard that in a while. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> that and uh, I, I still remember um, the first first ascent, which was in a garage. I remember being up until two o'clock at night, hmm. many nights in a row, build, you know, I, I sold it, then I had to build it. And uh, Kevin, taking all of your null painting systems and meeting agendas and job descriptions and putting them into this thick binder and then having a first ascent with many of the people that are still here today. I mean, I need to give like shout outs to MB Jesse, uh, Albright, Painters USA, Performance Painting, Brooks Painting. Two dudes painting. I'm, I'm missing people. Lancaster the painting. New Life painting. Lancaster painting. Um, these companies that have been with us for 18 years, which wow. I have incredible gratitude for. And we've watched them grow from, in some cases, $1 million companies up to now, up to $40 million in one case, be it yeah. Painters USA annually. So, wow. Remember huh. the first Grand Summit, Kev? First Grand Summit was in Philly in October 2005. The theme huh. was perseverance. Perseverance, we conquer every challenge by taking it one step at a time. Uh, we were so much younger then. We're older <laughs> than that now. <laughs> one step at a time. We didn't know I think what the world had, what the world was in store. I mean, if you think about all the, the things that have happened since then and recessions and pandemics and wars, um, but... We definitely have always preached, um, you know, solid business practices, um, never get rich quick schemes, um, entrepreneurship and what it means to be a leader, leadership skills. You know, this is really all stuff that, in, that are part of the values that we share amongst you and me and, and all the, uh, by the way, I still sometimes call it summit just so no one gets offended. Uh, Summit is a specific group within Nolan Consulting Group. And sometimes in my world, I think of it all as one big summit because we got, remember, we were naming Summit. We got pretty high. We both read that book called Beyond the Summit and we yep. used all kinds of analogies. A lot of our presentations, our first, our first presentation that we took on the road was, what was it? The seven? Seven critical it? elements for business, yeah, business. Uh, success. And we, picture and we, the mountain we pathway. We had a pathway up to the summit, which was continuous improvement. Yep. Right. Um, and we had planning at the start. Yeah. And all along the way, like you had to spend a certain amount of time marketing your business. And there was a whole conception around how you would do that. And you would compartmentalize it and you would track it and you would, you know, you would share best practices with other people. And then whether it was team building, that's what I called it back then. Now we just call it HR. Um, but, that was, you know, there's lots of HR best practices. And so as we took what we were doing then and, and, and we've all grown, everybody's grown and the world has changed. 
and we've continued to innovate. And one of the best things that's happened to me from uh, Nolan Consulting Group and, and the summit relationship and all that is it's how it's made us better. It's been mm. a, it's been, you know, it's been the reason to get up every morning and do better. There's mm. lots of reasons to do better, but that's certainly been a reason um, to do better every day. So you could help more people. So you could come up with, you know, better ideas and share them with more people so that everybody could be more successful. Well, you know, it's only appropriate now to mention the bear, Kevin. Uh, yeah. The, the bear. Uh, you know, you it's know, funny. Kevin, I don't dream about the bear anymore, Brian. Interesting. The bear's gone. The what, bear? what was the bear, Kev? Yeah, the fact was, is, you know, we got chased as a bear. I don't know what year was it? Probably 2000. I don't know what year was it. No, it was earlier than that. We got chased by a bear in the late 80s, I think. Um, New Hampshire. Yeah. New Hampshire. Yeah. Kevin and I and our siblings. I have a picture on my, back, on my back wall somewhere of the of us not being chased by the bear, but the group that was hiking that weekend. And anyway, um, so I, as everybody knows, I stood up to the bear, uh, the bear backed down. <laughs> and of course I made a big mistake, which was I fed the bear. And then the bear followed us. And of course, everybody knows that Brian ran down the hill screaming and I, I with Michael. And That's I, exactly how it happened. I, I carried their, their backpacks until we met up with them. But anyway, I used to dream that the bear was always chasing me. And that was, I used to joke that that was uh, everybody in Summit that if they ever caught me, that no one would need me anymore. And that if the bear ever caught me, um, you know, no one would, he'd eat me and no one ever need me anymore. So, I mean, you know, honest, you said there was a $40 million business there. So there's a $40 million business in Nolan Consulting Group yeah. that we coach. And my business is a $12 million business. So clearly that's not the case anymore. Um, it's really about the exchange of ideas and values. Yeah. And um, we've been, I think we've been really successful. Chasing the bear is really something that it, it, it forces us to continue to get better. It, it's waking up every day and, and uh, saying, how am I gonna get better? How am I gonna deal with whatever problems come my way? Yeah. Um, and you know, at our age, um, we're we're still working on getting better all all the time. So Molly asked us to make a, a list of the top ten. Um, let's see, top ten ways that that because we talk about primary aim and building a business to serve your life, and let's talk about the top ten ways that that Nolan Consulting Group has has served our lives and made it better. Yeah, probably. Uh, Probably well, even let me ping back and forth, Brian. I have more yeah. than you do. I have eleven. So you, uh, you, if uh, if I go first, then I think that'll even out at the end. You may come up well, with I, the tenth one. Oh, I'm sure I've got. got okay, more so than I'll you. go first. We'll ping back and forth. Okay, yeah. maybe we can build off it. So, brain trust and diversity. So you know, I've I once used to be really paranoid about Certipro painting, and I thought, wow, you know, you have this. Someday corporate America, and I still wear, you know, Angie's coming now. Angie just got bought and they want to buy painting companies and Home Depot was doing it once. And But Certipro is a pretty big concern of mine. You have a national company with national resources and bright people with MBAs and they all basically are working in the painting industry. Yeah, their team doesn't match ours. Their team does not match our team. The team that we have between, uh, between Nolan Painting and all the smart people I have Nolan Consulting Group and all the smart people there and their MBAs over there, and then and then the nationwide network of contractors. So that's two for me there. 
the nationwide network of contractors that also make up part of this huge brain trust. Entrepreneurs, but a brain trust all together. I don't think CertiPro has a chance. I, I would say I would say fiercely independent contractors in Summit who uh, who in a non-competitive setting share everything, and uh, that 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 sharing and trust that the Summit members have for each other is tremendous. I think that makes us super competitive against any national presence that could come in and try to take our lunch. And we should always be worried about that because the world is disruptive, right? But uh, we're disrupting it too. So that's I'll go next. So, I, I, so this is really about business ownership to all you business owners out there. The autonomy of business owner uh, is so, so awesome when you compare it to being in a corporate world that's large and you're, um, you know, you have a boss. I, I actually haven't had a boss in 17, eight, in 18 years. And uh, I, m- I remember towards the end of my corporate world getting really scared because I was making some decent money and I had a mortgage and I said, I, I, I've got one person that can really uh, dictate what happens to me. And mm-hmm. now I don't. So the autonomy of, of business ownership, I create my own schedule. Sometimes it's too busy, uh, but I can work f- from anywhere. I spent most of the month of February down in Florida taking calls and, and Zoom and would end at three or four o'clock and go on, on a bike ride. So that autonomy of, of business ownership is hard to match, Kev. Yeah, no question about it. And the accountability that's built in with all those different owners that you deal with. Um, and that same accountability from my perspective has been one of the bigger aspects. Um, you know, we use transparency um, as one of our corporate values and I often invite people to our Wednesday morning operations meeting. And, but being, doing all this makes me a better business owner and more accountable. I mean, I think one of the value adds of Nolan Consulting Group is that Nolan Painting is there to, to reference good and bad because we make mistakes and do things wrong too. But just in general, we're more accountable and um, we can walk the walk. You know, we walk the walk that we talk. Sometimes I've, I've said, yeah, we're not doing that anymore, Brian. We're not giving 10% for AWOs anymore because we're so busy. We can't handle the work we have. We've, and, so I, and so you guys correct that. And you might not say that the next time. That, so we've been able to really be on task with what's happening and walk the walk. So Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that, that gets into to the Nolan Painting NCG a partnership. Nolan Painting has been a laboratory for systems. And, you know, and we uh, test everything. Um, and similarly, Nolan Painting has several people on their team that is very active in consulting and coaching. I mean, Connell and Jim, um, I think it's fair to say they're better because of that. They're better as well. We're, we're all better for it. The whole yeah. company is better. Not just me, um, but, but also the whole company is better when they know that we're being held to super high in nationwide standards of excellence that we're trying to create and live up to all the time. They know the bear's there and they're, they're way in the distance. That's why you don't dream about it, Kev, because the bear's not even coming close. Well, um, the other thing I was going to say, and you were referencing my, these other folks, Jim and Connell and John and Steve and others. and uh, Colleen, your daughter, who's gotten involved in, yeah. in a big way. All these things are, are so teachers are better learners. Mm. You need to teach something you become um, more proficient, obviously, in the material. 
And that's just a natural thing. And for us having the opportunity to be constantly teaching has, has just benefited us immensely. Once again, raising our own internal standards. You know, Kev, I, I remember my next one here I'll talk about. I remember you, you're the first one that really turned me on to having a primary aim. I, I always used, used to do a vision in the corporate world, always, always did yeah. three-year visions and uh, strategic intents of the business. But the primary aim is really meant for a person to understand where business is going to serve their life. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it's, a, it's being more intentional about how I live now. Uh, based upon where my life is going to go, where well, I want to Well, it's one of the go. first things we coach people on, right? It is. It is. It's so powerful as opposed to getting tossed in the wave like Wilson and Castaway. It's it's being intentional about what you want. I remember the first primary aim I did as part of Nolan Consulting was that we would have 100 clients and that uh, I'd be doing back road trips, bike trips around Europe, and that would be on the, on the front cover of Inc. magazine. Well, the I'm first two came before you are, just so you know. The first two came true, the third one did not. But No, maybe. We, we, Inc. is still, I'm still working on Inc., just so you know. So. And, and also to be a, a coach of coaches. And, um, well, that you are. So that, that the ability to have your own business and set a primary aim and then be intentional about your life uh, makes business ownership amazing. To me, um, well, I'll just I'll just pick one of them and just jump on it. Traveling around the country uh, has been awesome. I mean, we have had some great trips. Um, I I think about the trip to Utah a couple of years ago and the mountain biking and Napa oh, wow. and Savannah, just Utah trips and and Tahoe. Bahamas one year, the Grand Summit. Yeah, in the Bahamas. Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just keep coming. As a matter of fact, I was able to do um, a lot of my 50 state marathons around trips, as you remember. I, I was obsessed with that at the time. I was able to usually line up a marathon or two with each trip. So we we fly out. We would do us. We would do. I guess we did a, a presentation in um, St. Louis, Missouri. And so I did, um, I did, I think I did two marathons that weekend. I did one in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. I did one in, in Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, so I was always piggybacking on these trips. But lately now, I'm just uh, going for fun and learning, although hoping to do more of that in the, in the future as um, the world opens up. I was hearing this, don't do that at home. Don't run two yeah. marathons in a weekend. No, but it was fun and it was all part of my summit experience because we were, we were doing presentations and I was just getting fired up and then heading. Remember, I remember doing one in California and I had a marathon the next day and I was drinking a couple of beers and uh, somebody said, are you really running the marathon tomorrow? And I was like, Holy shit. Yes. And I stopped and ran to the hotel and went to bed. Yeah. Uh, you, well, you know, his pace isn't that fast. So he can, you know, walk a marathon. <laughs> I've never walked a marathon. I'm kidding. Of course, you know, sure. I, I'll give you one uh, um, gratitude and for business ownership around culture and the ability to create uh, your own culture. You know, Kev, you always say there's one drama and I create it. I don't want subcultures. I don't tolerate subcultures. And so I think about the culture of Nolan consulting a lot. Uh, I think about the values that we've, 
we have out there about engagement and how I look to make sure my whole team is engaged. And uh, I look I look at the value. Values. I think that's the trait of an it. exceptional leader. I mean, you're supposed to pay attention to the values all the time. All the time. Yeah. And I think leaders forget that. And I mean, I we're, we're doing, we're breaking and we're doing a lot more um, company uh, team meetings where we break, you know, just the team is meeting as opposed to general meetings where everybody's meeting in person. And I keep, I, I want to make sure that the field managers are constantly talking about mission, vision, values, repeat mission, vision, values, repeat. I have found that that is the most important thing when you're looking at how you treat customers, how you hire people, how you treat each other. How people stay with you. Yeah, yeah. It's really what people are looking at when they decide whether you're a great place to work or not. Does this company have a mission, a vision, and values? Is there a purpose? Or is it just about making money? And it's not just about making money. I think I think entrepreneurs want to solve problems and they want to build teams to do it. Yeah, that's what entrepreneurs want to do. Um, another area that I'll that I'll add in there is so many clients have have become Maya friends. Um, I stay a lot of their homes when I go and travel. I do a lot of uh, fourth quarter business. Oh God, Brian, it's unbearable. Sessions. It's unbearable. <laughs> All I can say is that thank God you don't do Facebook because I probably would have to just jump over a bridge. <laughs> Brian, you're always having a good time, Brian. Always Whoa. having a good time. Exceptional, exceptional dinners, exceptional wine, exceptional trips. <laughs> well, well, I, I've, I've learned to sort of integrate planning sessions with um, fun yeah. activities and uh uh, actually, just Agnes finished. is having a great time too. I see. Agnes comes along. She does post Facebook, but she doesn't. Luckily, she doesn't overdo it. Agnes, Agnes loves it. She's become friends with these people. Also, um, I just finished reading again for the third time the book Fish F I S H. Right, I know and that's uh, next month's book report. Yeah, it is. One of the four uh, philosophies in there is fun. How to create fun right. in the workplace, and uh, I, I seek that. And I seek that. Once again, I I told you, Brian, I don't think anybody's in business to really make money. I think making money is one of the things you have to do, but you also have to have culture, vision, values. So you have to make money. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, you're talking about something that is is really the reason you get up in the morning. It is. uh, If you operate, if you start from a point is I want to make lots of money, then your decisions may not always be pure. Um, If you think about your customers' um, best versions of themselves, if you think about your employees, if you think about your culture, the money will come. Yeah. Money will come. If you think Absolutely. about doing the right thing. The well, and that's one come. of the things that, that uh, you all do is you make sure that while you're thinking about those other things that you're also doing it in a framework and a structure with a budget that you can pay attention so that you can exist and survive from year to year. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I, I keep remembering, I have files of all these presentations that we did. Um, you must have them, obviously, they're all up in the cloud now, but the ones where we were, so there were ones where we were talking about coming recessions and no one ever believed us. Um, I think George Apap says to me that I've, I, he says, you've correctly predicted uh, 10 out of the last four recessions. So, um, 
<laughs> but anyway, we're always preparing for stuff like that. And we would go and say that and nobody would feel like one's coming because we were always thinking ahead and we were looking at stuff ahead of time. Um, but then I remember we did another one that was pretty popular, which was how to survive the recession. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about cutting expenses and generating revenue and just really paying attention to bottom line. And that, that felt like, that felt like chosen work there, boy. That felt like really important stuff for people. Yeah. And then, then we dealt a lot with the, uh, implications of COVID-19 and the uh, shutdown yeah. of many states. And, uh, I mean, that felt like very purposeful work. Um, I remember um, I, I remember the weekend that um, the PPP, the whole law came out, something like 500 yeah. pages. It was a rainy, rainy, cold weekend in March or April. And I spent the weekend reading that, reading the law. And I said, I need to become an expert on this because I just felt like so many Businesses were going to be impacted. So going for it, they applying it. So it's so going for it, they applying it. One don't apply in the beginning. Yeah, because I thought I don't need a loan, but because I'd been preparing for the all these ten recessions. (laughs) So right. So we we should probably you know speak a word about what what you and I think now, and I think it's really hard to predict anything right now. I mean, both the macroeconomics and uh, the uh, Soviet war. That's that's happening makes predictability um, almost impossible. So yeah, sure. how do you handle that? Well, you make sure you have acorns. You store yeah, I mean, your acorns. Same philosophy we would be saying a year or two or three ago when things were good. We would be saying make sure you're putting the money enough away to pay all your bills. Um, don't overspend. Don't borrow too much money. Bootstrap your business. These yeah. are all basics. So now. It's really no different now, right? I mean, the, the only difference is sort of sort of the balance of taking advantage of uh, a contractor market where there's right. a lot of demand, um, and uh, but making sure you have at least two months of overhead in reserve in the bank in the vault, so that you can you can uh, sustain an abrupt halt if there was an abrupt halt. Now, yeah. I mean, go back to. Go back to April 2020, the abrupt halt in the absence of a PPP funding, many of these businesses yeah. would not be here. Yeah. Um, so you've got to got to have a, a goal of becoming your own bank. Well, I, 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 I would never have expected PPP to happen, to exist in the way it transpired. I never would have planned for that. And I don't think it would have been smart to plan for that. Basically, right. Right. Somebody's going to bail you out. I never would plan for someone to bail me out. I'm fiercely independent, like you said before. Um, so, so all it did was whatever PPP impacted our business, and it did significantly, was only to the benefit. We were going to survive either way, as we will. Any scenario, we'll look to be prepared for it, because I have lived through those last four recessions, and I don't even I'm not even counting COVID as one, and I think you could probably count it as one. Um, and there'll probably be more coming. So, and you know, they always talk about the next one's going to be bigger because there's more debt or more this or more that. So uh, not living in the fear world, the best way to not have fear is basically to have power and get power by, by making sure you have money saved away, making sure you're not borrowing too much money. We, we are always cautioning against um, overcapitalizing um a contracting business, making sure that you don't pick uh, clients that that are going to string you out with payments, making sure you choose customers of your desire 
um, and that you're thinking ahead and planning ahead, um, looking at cash flow needs. Um, those are all, um, those work in any economy. Um, and then if it gets bad, we can teach you how to survive too. So, <laughs> you know, you mentioned one here, Kev, in your list, good, good for your ego. Talk yeah. about that one. How has, has this relationship or painted you? Well, um, known painting and NCG been good for your ego? Well, of course, it's good to be an expert in some things. I mean, you, you in our call the other day, um, the coach's call, you were introducing some new uh, new people in, in the whole consulting group, new, new employees, and you were saying, I had offered that I had some um, background in HR and marketing, and, and you basically said that I was an expert in a few of these areas, and so that's good. I mean, it's good to be an expert, and um, it's always been good to help people and people say, wow, you're really smart, Kev. And really, I'm not smart. I've just learned. Right. That's there's a difference between that. I've discovered that smart people learn quicker than I did, <laughs> but I have learned a lot. In well, practical, years. practical, you know, the practical wisdom. That's what I, I, I was taking me a lot of years to learn what um, we've been able to get people to learn a lot quicker when I look at what like like some of the companies like Webfoot have done and how they've implemented systems super fast. And they, you know, they, we've always allowed, we never told anybody, uh, this is how you do it. Do it this way. We've always said, this is a way to do it. You see if it works. I don't know. It's been working for us. Here's where it hasn't been working and we're still trying to make it better, but you know, here's the best practice. What do you try it? And a lot of times, a lot of times the best practice is not a finished practice. It's just one that's going to work really good now. Well, like for instance, gas just went up dramatically. And, you know, we've, we've, we've got some different policies for how we're giving out gas money. And I've been sharing it with a couple of the contractors who say, what are you doing about gas prices going up? And so it's the best practice is, you know, you know, different types of reimbursements and things like that. And we've been able to share those best practices and, yeah, that feels good. It feels good to be able to help people in a tangible way. I mean, way. every new problem is an opportunity to create a best practice around. Yeah. Is it not? It, yeah, I think so. And I think problems will change. So best practices will always evolve. Uh, technology will change it. Um, you know, influences like, you know, the economic influences like the inability to hire people has flipped everything up down, upside down in the last two to three years. So high demand low workforce. Yeah, that's never happened before. Um, it, in my business, it's always been a um, fair amount of steady workforce, need to increase demand, need to increase demand. Um, so it's the opposite of where we've been. Another benefit, Kev, uh, of, our, uh, of our sort of business, uh, you know, relationship journey is being, is learning how to be partners. So you mentioned that earlier. Yeah. And I think we credit our dad in a really big yeah. way there because my dad, my dad had a partner, he was a lawyer and he would always say, what would he say, Kev? He said, a good partnership is like a good marriage. Whatever you say, dear. Exactly. Whatever you say, dear, which, which means you would never vehemently oppose some, some, uh, this, you know, idea uh, that, um, your we were struggling in 2008, really 9, 10. I think it was a little bit of a delay for us, right? It was it was 10, actually, that we struggled, you and I. When the economy went bad, then my business went bad, and then other businesses went bad, and then all of a sudden the pie started to shrink a little bit. It felt like the pie was shrinking, and 
we we all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but we all of a sudden didn't see eye to eye on things. And we we did some real heavy thinking over over that statement. And um, we decided that you'd become the managing partner and that um, you would own, we made a stock sale and you would own more of the stock. Um, so you could be the unequivocal managing partner. And I made a fundamental decision there that I was going to look at it differently than I had. Um, I was going to look at it as nothing but great, that, that it's now anything that, that Nolan Consulting Group does just increases the pie for me. Um, it's um, any money I make, any travel I do, any people I meet, any opportunities that present themselves are all things that would have not happened if it wasn't for our relationship. To, to know that about uh, Kevin is, is very uh, significant because people know Kevin's a high D. Uh, Kevin knows, I mean, he's, he's an aggressive leader. And what I mean by <laughs> that is he, he creates urgency. He, he solves problems. Um, Make decisions. He leads, he, he leads. And so what was happening back then was he was getting very, you know, things were rough and, in the economy. And he, he was picking up his intensity, his ability to pull back and, and adapt. I think adapting is something that we should both take uh, pride in, that ability, because you really have adapted. And, and now you really are, you are just a source of, of input, energy, and strength. I, I always say, if things are tough, you know, go to Kev, strength. Nice. I, I, give, I give Kevin empathy, he gives me strength. That's how we work. <laughs> uh, so that working as a, a partner, communicating, Kevin and I run every month, every week, pardon me, um, at noon, Wednesdays, and we talk. And, um, and that helps us to always know where we are with each other. And if something's on Kevin's mind, you can be sure he'll say it during, during that run. And mm-hmm. like, well, I always used to joke that ever since we started running together, so we were side by side as partners should be. It wasn't like we were having a meeting where we were face to face confronting each other. Big difference there. It is. Remember, we moved, we switched it's it. The dynamic that's symbolic as well. So it is yeah. symbolic. It's not just, you know, yeah. it's not just running. I mean, you could walk together or you could just talk together in, in that fashion. Um, but I've never, um, I've always seen my role as a content provider and just to add value. Well, I love it because adding value is one of my things. It's one of my shticks. So I like to add value. So I like to add value. Then that's what I'm going to do. Um, I don't know that um, I love the coaching aspect of it. I keep telling you that um, I coach three people now and I live and die with them. And I, um, I just don't know. I sometimes feel powerless. Like when I have a problem on my own, I can fix it. Um, but when someone else has a problem, I was offering to you that I wanted to go out and visit one of my clients and fix his problems. <laughs> um, so that's not um, allowed. With I was going to do it for free, and you said that's not allowed. Um, but at any rate, um, yeah, so I struggle a little bit with coaching. I only have three. I mean, you have 25, so I don't know how you do it. Um, you bop the bop the bop. You basically take somebody's watch. You tell them what time it is, and you give them their watch back. That's how it works, Kev. <laughs> you know, you, Kev, you are you are going to grow to be an amazing coach as you uh, transition from 
CEO leadership to now becoming a coach because um, you said you love to provide value and you will, you will see yourself do that. You will start to see the impact that you have on people's lives and the lives of people that they lead. And um, you will see people becoming the best version of themselves. And I know your greatest value is happiness. I know you said that often. Yeah. Uh, you will see su- such happiness and, and, and then joy in, in people you work with. You will see hardship as well, but you will have enough wins that you realize that you've got the ability to change lives. And that's why you will become yeah, great. Maybe, and your passion. Maybe if I get away from some of my own problems, you know, I won't live them as much. So, cause I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that if you're, if you have a client that has a serious problem, I mean, I know you're empathetic, don't get me wrong, but they're still not your problems. And they maybe, I mean, do they keep you awake at night? Are there, any of your clients' problems keep you awake? I've, I've been doing this now for 18 years. And one of the things that I'm blessed with is the ability, um, I think, the ability to be uh, totally attentive in the hour, yeah. totally to them. And then I've got to learn how to shut that down yeah, and go to on to, to the next. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, um, that if you can't do that, it's going to be hard because I'd just be living, you know, all these clients' problems, and I would lose sleep. Yeah. Um, I do. I do work uh, seven days a week, though. That said, um, I. Uh, it's rare Even that I don't do something. California, sometimes it's Florida. Sometimes it's Texas. Sometimes it's who knows where it could be. Who knows where it is? It's a couple hours or so, um, but. I love what I do. So the, the ability to make an impact, my, my purpose in life is, is, is quite clear, is to help people become the best versions of them. That, that is where I get the greatest satisfaction, when I can see someone else light up and get it and get out of some place that maybe they were, they were stuck. Like that is, that is a form of compensation for me personally. And, um, you know, you... You are a giver, Kev. Um, I'll give you more compliments than usual here today. This is you are. interesting. Yeah. But you're, you've always been so willing, willing to help. And I think you're, you're best when you're giving. I think that's why you're going to come to love coaching because you're going to become. We'll see. I've never taken on as many clients as you. I've never t- I want to be as involved as you. That's for sure. Or even close or even half or even. But I do, uh, I see the way you get energy out. I see the way you control your life and how you've been able to, you know, do it all over the place. And so, and cobble together um, a great income and living out of, out of contractors and painters and roofers and landscapers. And who else do we, who did I forget? One of the trades is all kinds of trades. Yeah, we have a plumber, electrician in there. Um, Mason. yeah, you know, so I, I think I actually only have 21 clients, Kev, because I, oh, really? I, I, I need to really uh, credit here to my team. Um, Andrew was the first person to get me out of the hourglass in December of 2005. I think he was 26 years old and uh, he started doing bookkeeping for me. Remember that, Kev? Yeah. Um, and uh, so he then built this entire uh, budget spreadsheet. Um, and then Catherine came um, 10 years ago. So she came in uh, 2012 um, as part of our call center and then became a coach. And she has really changed our business as now director of operations to be able to build a bigger team. Having, having an integrator 
I think this is a major lesson learned. I mean, yeah. you've got Steve, Kev. Um, yeah. uh, having a uh, integrator to someone to integrate your ideas is is no uh, question about it. So important to be able to achieve any vision you have. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons why you want to grow is you want to add you want to add dimensions to your capacity because things that you're not good at, you can hire people that are good at, and you can build you know a whole team that's just working together really efficiently um, and have fun doing it um, by, by some nice modest growth really, really keeps us happy. Okay. So let's, uh, let's end wow. with this, Kev. Yeah. Can, can we see ourselves being here in 18 years from now? So no, I'm, I'm 77. I, I reckon you're 80 or 81 at that point in time. So that's why to really reflect upon the 18 years is, is, uh, a powerful thing. I know. Um, That's right. My That's kids will still be in a business. My kids. Happy with the perspective was put in, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> but what we do know is the next decade is going to be a great journey. Yeah, and I, yeah. And living in the moment and right now is great. So that's what we want to. Yeah. I, so. I intend to be active in this thing and, until I'm 70. So I've got a 11 more really great years. And I hope to keep on recruiting you to speak at at Grand Summits and uh, well, the next 10, 20 years, time. they're going to call, they're going to call wisdom. So that's exactly right. You know, it's, a, it's the third, third, Kevin, it's the third third, 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 enjoy the third, third part of our lives. So we, Hey, uh, Tom Brady came back. Hey, how about that? Come on. <laughs> he's, he's doing things. No one thought was possible. Right. Uh, so we, we want to express our gratitude to everybody listening to this and yeah, thanks. About as sincere as can be. I, I don't think Kevin, you and I would be as close as we are. Yeah, no Have NCG. Yeah, we talk all the time. Great. So, uh, all right. I'll see you in a run, bro. Here's to you. See you soon. I'll see you in a run. Thanks, Thanks a lot. You bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.